0: who are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word on page 489 of your Pew Bible, Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law they mediate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not, but they are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Lord. I ask those who are able to please stand for our second lesson comes from Matthew's Gospel, here in the seventh chapter, picking up in verse 21, reading to the end, and listen now to the Word of God. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, And cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. And everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. One of the treats, the advantages that we have with our day school program here is chapel, and I get to be part of the rotation to do once a week chapel with the children. And there's a certain set of songs that I do to get it started. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing, for which you should be grateful. So don't change the channels at home. I'm not singing. But I am going to speak a particular song that I love to do with the children, and I get a lot of good interaction from them about the wise man and the foolish man. And it starts off with the motions that the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came a-tumbling down. At this point, I do it very fast. The children love it, uh, getting faster and faster as I'll go. And the rains came down and the floods came up and the rains came down and the floods came up and the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went kaplunk. Big laugh, big laugh at that point. And then I say, but the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came a-tumbling down. And then once again, and the rains came down, floods came up, rains came down, floods came up, rains came down, floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. And they still laugh. I think they, they like that speed to it. And obviously that song is going through my mind, went through my mind as I prepared this Probably six hours from now, that song will be going through your mind, and you've got me to blame for that. But looking at the particular words on which I want to focus today, where Jesus talks about the wise man, the foolish man, the rock, and the sand. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. In this segment, I want to talk about the one who hears is one who listens and about the storms and about the consequences. The one who built the house on the rock is like one who hears and acts. Or is the difference between did you just hear what I said or were you listening? had a vivid example yesterday. Once again, making Ben an example, but... It's time for supper, trying to get him to come upstairs. He's on a little computer game downstairs. Okay, Bennett, it's time to come upstairs. It's time for supper. I think he heard some sort of voice outside over here while he's busy moving this fellow through this maze. So once again, it's time to go to supper. You've got about 30 seconds. Wrap it up. Finally, turned off the television, What did you do that for? Okay, once again, it's time for supper. What did I tell you? Repeat it back to me. Then I knew he was really listening and could act on it. A difference between hearing and actually listening. Marriage works the same way. A wife shared with me one of her tricks was after she says something to her husband, and she says, now, would you please tell me what I just told you, in part, to make sure he heard it, but also, quite frankly, she said, just to make sure she said it correctly. She says, honestly, he may not have, you know, he tried, just didn't understand what I was trying to say. So, uh, that's a good double check. In fact, in any kind of relationship, in any kind of business situation, it might be good to say, now this is what I heard. Can I, let me tell you, did I hear it right? And repeat it back to the person, maybe two or even three times, if it's a critical issue, to make sure you understand exactly what is said and what is required of you. And so that's, again, what he's talking about. The, the wise man, and one who hears, listens. How does this apply? And It is interesting the comparison he makes, and he says, when the storms come. Jesus does not say, if they come, or if you obey, they'll never come. He says, when they come, and you will be like the one, if you listen and obey, the one who built the house on the rock making it clear that, clearly, that these things will happen. Obedience to Jesus' words is not a protection from troubles, it's protection in the troubles. Different storms come to mind. Uh, there can be a sickness or um, death of a loved one. Uh, somebody else, you know, getting that hard word from the doctor. It can be a, a personal loss, a an income situation, losing a job, or just a setback in one's income. And honestly, for some people, it could even be over time a season of prosperity, and it dulls them to what really matters. Regardless, these storms will come, and the consequences are simple. If it's built on a solid rock, it will withstand. It might get battered, but it will withstand. And if it's sand, it will fade away. Some of you may remember Hurricane Andrew in 1992, cutting across uh, southern Florida. And something about that one that seemed to stand out were the number of homes destroyed that were not even on the beach. And you can understand, next to, the, next to the ocean, a house is destroyed, or just second row. That makes sense. But I remember seeing pictures, these scanned pictures of of subdivisions in suburban Miami in these different communities where homes were either completely destroyed or severely damaged. And one man was interviewed in such an area because his house remained standing firm, standing attached to its foundation. And when a reporter asked the homeowner why his house had not been blown away like all of his neighbors... He replied, I built this house myself. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane, and it did. The winds came, and a house built figuratively on rock withstood." The house built on the sand is not so lucky. When the storms come, and they will come, it is driven, it is is washed away. Several months ago, I was at a pastor's gathering, and an opportunity to go to the Holy Land was presented for 2017. And the gentleman who would like to bring this group with us, part of, the, part of this pastor's group, has been before, and he spoke so well of the guide, and the details that he will bring out to you as you travel around there. And one thing he will point out is about rock and sand, pointing to a sandy area. Most of the soil there is rock in the Holy Land. Sand, is, it's there, but it's not as common as we tend to think of it being. It's not like one big beach. And there's a reason why there's a space that is sand, a space called Awadi. Now, again, it's a dry area. They do have rains, seasonal rains. There's also in the Holy Land some high mountains. Actually, there's some mountain peaks that even have snow on it. Though I never really think of snow in that part of the world, but it's that high. And some storms will actually only affect the higher altitudes. At certain times of year, there'll be great storms. It may be down in the lowlands, it may not. But up in the highlands, there are the storms, and the rains form, and they come down into rivers. And then the storms end, and the rivers dry up, and you've got a wadi. And so for the majority of the year, or depending on the situation, it might be two or three years before a particular storm takes place at a particular time, you've got this wide open space of sand. Now I suppose if you're only going to live there three months and you go in the dry time of the year, putting up a small shack, living there for three months and moving, sure, it's easy to do and you're gone. But if you're going to build a permanent house there on sand, you're just asking for it because eventually the rains will come and the rains will wash down and the house will be wiped away. As Jesus speaks of the person who hears but does not apply, is like someone who would do something as silly as that. Not listen and not try to apply. In light of that, a humorous example, it's a story that's gone around before, uh, I may have heard, but I'll tell it again, is that one day a man was in traffic and he was mad. He was uh, making gestures. He was obviously um, remark- making remarks at other people. He was speeding and, not speeding speeding, but he was scudding up behind somebody, moving over, something, like, not that anyone here has ever done that, uh, but on and on. And eventually he was pulled over by a police officer. Well, he may have done that five miles that everybody does over the speed limit, but had not done anything out of the ordinary But the officer asked for his driver's license, asked for the registration papers, all of that paperwork. And he said, why? He said, well, it's very simple. I saw the fish on your car and the bumper stickers about your church. And I thought, based on your behavior, this must be a stolen vehicle. That's one reason I don't put anything on my car. (laughs) We got a new car about two years ago. I don't have a First Presbyterian sticker on it. I'll admit it uh, for that very… I might have an off moment. Anyway, that's… It's a humorous way of saying, though, if we don't follow how we I can come across. But we're called to build on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And we do that at its basic roots by the basics of the faith. John Wooden was a great uh, basketball coach at UCLA, and he was known for going over the basics. And the story goes that the first day of practice of the new season, he would tell the players how to put on their socks and how to tie their shoes just so. Now, these are grown men, and yes, we've got the dumb jock stereotype out there, but we really expect regardless, these, these fellows at 18, 19 should be able to tie their own shoes. But it was very simple, he said, you don't have the socks aren't just right, you can get a blister, you get a blister, you can't play basketball. The shoes are not tied just right, you can get blisters, it can keep you from playing just at your best. Very attuned to the details he was known for those kinds of basics as well as other basics of basketball. Vince Lombardi, famous story told of him often of the of starting each season with the, with the uh, the football, saying "This is a football to the men, no matter how many times they had played for him and For us, the basics are, are our Bible study, our prayer, their service. We just recently had a good week with VIP, hosting a family here. I believe it's in September is our next turn to do that. Uh, we are giving out sack lunches still. Those are things that we're doing. We have worship. We have the sacraments, one that we're going to celebrate today. We have fellowship among ourselves as well. And these are the basics that we can continue. And as we're going to be meeting with Christian education this week, Uh, Have your notes ready, uh, Nancy, Margie, Lowry. Uh, Have it all together as we talk about the fall and some particular studies uh, that I would like to bring about and that uh, we've been researching to do just that. Now, it's impossible to live up to all these things asked of us in the Sermon on the Mount. But through the Holy Spirit, Christ is at work in us to mold us to that. And as we listen and study and seek to practice, the Spirit is at work at us to make that more a part of who we are. Now, I'm going to be very, very honest at this point. This morning, as I was in the basement pacing and working the sermon, I just I'm very stable up here, but in the basement I'm walking around and working over the sermon. All of a sudden it dawned on me. Of course, this is a communion Sunday, and it's July 12th. And the last time we had a communion Sunday for both 8:45 and 11 was April 12th. And as I said before, a lot has happened in the last three months. And if there are any sort of 12 steps to how you go forward we're still at step one and there's nothing wrong with that. Do step one right. That came to my mind this morning and then the more I thought about it, I said, let me check this out real quick. Step one, admitting that one is powerless over the situation, but there's also step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us. Step one, step two, that's where we are now And our sacrament is part of that. Coming to this table and saying, Lord, I still don't understand everything, but I know you're here. You're here to minister to us, me, to all of us, and to guide us one step at a time. In a way, I think it's perfect today we're serving by intention because literally you will have to come forward. We will go out to those who need it, but you literally have to come forward and say, basically, Lord, here I am. Here I am, use me, here I am. Again, as I reflected on rock and sand, my mind went to the San Francisco earthquake of 1989. Some of you may remember that, the early days of uh, video recorders i think that was one particular reason that um, it stands out because there was so much uh amateur work that was done that was shown that could be seen later and again if you just go to youtube you can still see these images in a bar in places like that the security cameras move is there and things start to moving and they leave and one thing that stood out about the 1989 san francisco earthquake during the World Series with Oakland A's and San Diego Padres, was the Marina District. That was an area where the most obvious destruction had taken place. Buildings had collapsed, one on top of the other. Those were the pictures that go above the fold to say, to say, look what has happened. Other parts of the city were hit and had damage, but it was the Marina District in particular, they gave the dramatic images and where the great fires, fortunately only there, and not a great fire for the whole city, but it was there. And in the days that followed, it talked about how did, it, how did that area get hit so hard? Well, turns out a very simple reason. The Merida district is essentially reclaimed land years ago the city began to fill an area that had been water but filled it i guess with trash with um rock with with land from ground dirt from elsewhere it was an infill area and it said that it was really not that stable and so when the earthquake hit and things are moving to a degree what people thought was solid ground became like liquid and so the buildings could not stand, they fell. That was an image, but as we know, there's one image that all of us have of San Francisco and that's the Golden Gate Bridge. It survived that earthquake even though it's built directly over the San Andreas Fault. During an earthquake, the bridge is built to sway some 20 feet at the center of its one-mile span. The secret to the bridge's durability, however, lies more than just its flexibility. By design, every part of the bridge, its concrete roadway, its steel railings, its crossbeams, is integrated from one welded joint to the other up through the vast cable system to two great towers and two great land anchor piers. And the towers, which bear most of the weight, are deeply embedded in the rock foundation beneath the sea. The Golden Gate Bridge stands today because of its solid foundation And I'm even struck by the irony that those first have to go through the sea to get to the solid rock, but that solid and what appeared to be solid in the Matarina district is really like building on the sea. A A bit of an irony there. It's anchored in the solid rock and that's why it stands. And as we listen to the words of Christ, we have that anchor in that solid rock. And as we come today, once again to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we can come to that rock, Jesus Christ, who's ready to meet us and to strengthen us for the journey and the steps ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. And let us stand and sing a hymn of affirmation. How firm a foundation.